you have your Bibles, go to open to Ephesians chapter number four. Ephesians chapter number four. And yes, thank you, worship team, for leading us in those wonderful uh, songs and preparing our hearts for the uh, the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. And uh, that's really one of the great purposes of uh, singing. Uh, it is to praise our God. It is a form of worship, but it's also a way in which our hearts get prepared uh, to hear the message and receive the message of, uh, of God for us. And so I hope this morning uh, our singing has done that for you, and I hope you're ready to uh, grow in your, in your walk with Christ and uh, in what he has for you this morning. Ephesians chapter number four, and we're going to continue our series on disciple. We've, we've had this theme throughout this year on disciple, that that's really as a church, what we want to be as Christians. We want to be a disciple uh, in our work. We want to uh, lead others to live a life that is uh, worthy of a disciple. And here in Ephesians chapter 4, we find that Paul's going to talk a little bit or at least write a little bit about the habits of a disciple. Now, a consistent Christian life is only achievable by building the right habits in our life. A consistent Christian walk, a consistent Christian victorious life is only achievable if we begin to build the right habits in our life. Now, a habit is defined as a settled or regular tendency or practice, a regular or settled tendency or practice. And uh, usually uh, they can be hard to break. Usually hard, uh, habits are very difficult to change. Uh, habit is something that you're settled in doing all the time. It's a practice that you have in your life. And there are good habits in life that are really helpful to us, that really build us up, that are for the betterment of our lives. And then there are habits that are detrimental to our lives. And as Christians, what we want to do is build good, godly habits in our life so that we can grow, so that we can consistently walk with our Savior day by day. It's, it's only by building good, godly habits. And as I said, habits can be good, habits can be bad. Uh, I, I read a story of, of a dad and, and a son that were walking through the forest, and, and the dad saw that there was these four, you know, uh, uh, plants that were already there, trees that were already there in the forest. And so uh, he, uh, he pointed at them and, and he said to his son, he said, look at these four, uh, four plants. And there was one that was just beginning to come out of the ground. Uh, there was a second one that was uh, kind of rooted already into, uh, into the earth. And then the third one was a, was a shrub already at this point. It had grown to that. And then the fourth was, was a tree. And, uh, and the dad looked at his son and he said, son, I want you to go and I, I want you to go to that first one that it's barely popping out of the ground and I want you to, to uproot it, just, just pull it out. And so the, 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 the son, the little boy went to it and just kind of with like three fingers just plucked it out. It's really easy. He said, okay, now get the second one, do the same. And the second one was grown a little bit more and, and he battled a little bit, but, but he was able to get it out. And he said, okay, go to the third one and do the same. Now this shrub really took all the strength that this little boy had to, to get it out of the earth. But, but with a lot of, of effort, he eventually did. And the dad said, okay, now I want you to go to the tree and do the same. 
course, the little boy went and wrapped his hands around the trunk, and he started trying to pull up, but he didn't even shake a leaf off. I mean, it was just completely there. And then the dad told the son, now, son, here's what I want you to learn from this. He said, that's how bad habits can get so strong in your life. If you allow them to get rooted and stay grounded, then they'll be very hard to move later in life. It's better to get rid of, of bad habits early on and start building good habits so that if the good habit is planted and rooted in your life, it will one day be like this tree where you can't really shake it and you can't really move it. Habits are so important in the Christian life. Habits will either make sure that you're walking consistently with Christ or they'll make sure that you never walk consistently with Christ. It just depends what habit you're wanting to build, either a good godly habit or a bad habit. In this passage, Paul is speaking to the Ephesian church about walking right in their Christian life. In fact, if you go to verse number one, he says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you or beg you that you would walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. So this chapter already, Paul is introducing it as, I want to talk to you about walking worthy of your calling. Walk worthy as a disciple. Now notice when you get to verse 17, which is what we're going to be studying this morning, 17 all the way down to verse 32, notice what he writes. He says, this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to, walk, uh, to work all uncleanliness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. That ye put off concerning the former conversation of uh, the old man. That's conversation as lifestyle, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that ye put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole seal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed into the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you." Notice that Paul is, is speaking to them about building right habits in their life so that their walk might be consistent. And if you're going to build right habits in your life, godly habits in your life, there are some things that you're going to have to put off and some things that you're going to have to put on. There, there, there are some things that you're going to have to start doing, and there's going to be other things that you're going to have to stop doing. You see, what Paul is encouraging the 
the Ephesian church to do is to, is to walk with Christ in truth and in harmony, to walk in a, in a healthy way so that they could grow in their faith, uh, to walk united with one another. He's, he's talking to a church body, all right? When he's writing this letter, he's not just writing it to one person. He's writing it to all of the church in Ephesus, and he's saying, if you're going to walk with Christ, that'll bring unity and harmony uh, to you as a church, to you individually, but also as a church, it will, it will help you grow in your faith. It will help you stay united one with, an, uh, with another. But in order to grow correctly, they're going to have to build these habits. So what I want to, to share this morning is three key truths about habits from this passage. And if you're taking notes, I want you to notice the first truth about habits, and it's this, that habits are formed from the inside out. Habits are formed from the inside out. Now, if you begin reading in verse 17, you'll find that Paul begins with sharing some of the bad habits that we naturally have as a fallen people. Now, bad habits we're all born with. Uh, we, we, we all have these tendencies because of the sin nature that we are born with. And so look in verse 17, you'll notice some of these. He says, that you should not walk as Gentiles. Now, he uses the word Gentiles as those that are unbelieving, those that, uh, that have no faith, that have no walk with Christ. And he says, they walk in the vanity of their mind. They have their understanding darkened. They're alienated, uh, he says, uh, alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is uh, in them because of the blindness of their heart. Uh, you'll notice that he's, he's, he's speaking here of these bad habits that, that naturally happen because our minds are darkened, because we naturally don't want to follow God. And so when you get to verse number 20, he says this, he says, but ye have not so learned Christ. Ye have not so learned Christ. What he's pointing to when he says that in verse 20 is our identity. He's saying, naturally, this is who you were. This is what you did. You were alienated from God, and you were, you, were, uh, you were one that was ignorant and blind to what God's word says and teaches. You, you, you didn't see the truth. You didn't know the truth. You didn't walk in truth. But, but you that have accepted Christ, you that are a disciple, you've not learned to continue to live that way through Christ. Christ has not taught us to live deceitfully and ignorantly, and alienated from God. He's saying, you've been changed. If, if Christ is your Savior, you're, you're, you've, you've been changed. You've been given a new nature. No longer are you just that fallen, sinful person. Now you're that redeemed person. You've been reconciled with God. You're now a part of the family of God. So he, he makes this key of notice your identity. There's a book that I, I read, um, I think last year, uh, called Atomic Havocs by a, an author by the name of James Clear. Maybe you've heard of the book. But it's interesting in the book, he, he, he discovered this as he was researching to write this book. He discovered that, uh, that for any real habit to take hold, we must see the new habit as part of who we are. He found this to be true. He says, your behaviors are usually a reflection of your identity. Uh, and and it's, it's interesting how this plays out 
in our lives. And I'll, I'll give you a practical illustration of this, but, but I want to point this out really quick because uh, I, I thought it was interesting. Uh, James Clear dis- discovered this as he was getting ready and, and writing this book, uh, but uh, the Bible said it a long time before uh, James ever discovered that, okay? Uh, this is something of, of a proof for that. I just want you to, to, to observe that uh, the Bible is relevant even for today. The Bible is going to give us truth that we can use in a practical way even today. And, and notice that uh, what, what Paul is saying is this. Okay, habits are formed from the inside out. We have to be changed from the inside. Our identity has to change. We have to see ourselves different if we're going to live differently. Now, even the outside unbelieving, James Clear is not a, uh, a believer. He's not a Christian. He doesn't claim to be a Christian. But even he could see that if you're going to change bad habits and make good habits in your life, you got to make those good habits something of part of who you are. So notice this, that who we are influences what we think. Who we are influences what we think. And when I'm talking about identity this morning, I'm not talking about self-image. I'm not talking about self-esteem. Okay, I'm looking at who are you in reality before God? This is not based on how I feel about myself. This is based on who I am in truth. What God has made me to be. That has no bearing on if I feel this way or don't feel this way. If I feel like I'm a child of God or I don't feel like I'm a child of God, if we've accepted Jesus as our personal Savior, the Bible says that His Spirit indwells us. And He gave us a new nature, and that new nature is living within us. And that new nature stays within us. He said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So it really doesn't matter if, uh, if, if we've lived perfectly throughout this week or not. The Spirit of God is still indwelling in us. Self-esteem can, can change depending on what people are saying about me or what I've accomplished or not accomplished in my life. That, that's all affected on, on other circumstances. But our identity is not circumstantial. Our identity is what God has made us to be through Jesus Christ. So notice what he says in Ephesians chapter 1. It's just a few pages back. I won't read it all, but it's in your notes. He says in verse number 3, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and he chose us. And he's made us to be holy without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. He gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace that he poured on us who belong to his dear son. And he's so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom. You notice, uh, and I could keep reading all the way down to verse 12, but you'll notice that, that Paul continues to fortify the identity. He's telling the Ephesian church at the beginning of the letter, this is who you are. Not because you like won the lottery. This is who you are because when you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and he forgave you and redeemed you, he made you part of his family. He chose you to be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. He has forgiven you. He said, just notice this is this is." who you are. Why? Why? Because who we are influences how we think. 
Who we are influences how we think. If you, if, you, if you view yourself as God has made you, then you'll think in a better way. You'll think in a way that will please God. Now, why is it important for us to think this way? Why is it important for us to, to see and view ourselves with this identity so we can think a certain way? Because what we think influences what we do. Every action started with a thought. Every action starts with a thought. That's why a person that is brain dead can do no actions. Their heart could be beating, but if they're, if they're brain dead, they won't move. They can have blood pumping through them, but if their brain's not functioning, they won't move. Because every action starts with a thought. So, how we view ourselves, who we are, influences how we think. How we think influences what we do. So this is why Paul says there in verse 21 and verse 22, all the way down to verse 24, he says, so if you be that you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your Mind, there he is. He's saying, look, 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 you, you, you've got to, you've got to, if you're going to have a, and build a new habit, if you're going to uh, uh, get off the, the bad habits, well, then you've got to understand, who am I in Christ? And as you view yourself who you are, it will affect how you think. And if you start thinking the way that God wants you to be thinking, you'll start doing what God wants you to be doing. The, the reason that so many Christians are not living a victorious and consistent Christian life is because they're not thinking the way that Christ is thinking. And the reason is they're not thinking that way is because they're not seeing who they really are and who they've been made to be. They're identifying with everything else but what Christ has said that they are. Now you say, how, how, how does this work in a practical way? I'll give you a quick practical illustration of this. In the book, they, they talked about, James Clear talks about this. He, he, he says, um, usually, uh, if, you, if you can change your thinking uh, and the way you're identifying yourself, then it can usually lead you to do better things in your life. And, and one example was, uh, if, if somebody were to ask you, and you're, you're, you're going to the gym, and you're, and, you're, and you're trying to get in shape, and you're trying to, uh, you know, uh, lose weight or do whatever you want to do there in the gym and just get in better shape, if somebody asks you, he says, someone that has the mindset and viewing themselves as someone trying to get into shape, and when you ask them, hey, are you going to the gym? He says, yeah, I'm trying to get in shape. He says, usually those people won't stay in the gym very long. He said, because they don't view themselves as someone that's fit. He said, what, what you want to do is, if you're starting to go to the gym and you want to get fit and you want to get uh, in better shape, then when someone asks you, are you going to the gym? You say, yeah, because I'm a fit person. Now, he, might, he said, they might say, well, you don't look too fit. No, but give me some time. Because as a fit person, I go to the gym. That's what I do. You see, it's a subtle, small little change. It's just very small, but it makes a world of difference. Either you see yourself as somebody trying to be someone else, or you view yourself as somebody doing something else. 
So, so you, can, you can sit here and be like, I, I'm trying to be a better Christian. Or you can say, because I'm a Christian, I'm, trying to be, I, I'm, I'm doing better in life. Because I'm a Christian. Because I'm a disciple. Not, I'm, I'm trying to be a disciple. Well, then are you a disciple or are you not a disciple? See, God made us his disciples. He made us his children. So if you view yourself as a child of God who's been chosen and redeemed and forgiven and holy and set apart and righteous, then suddenly you'll start doing things differently. The putting off of the old nature, he says, that happens by renewing your mind, verse 23, and be renewed in your mind and put on the new nature, he says in verse 24. Why? Because who you are affects how you think. And how you think influences what you do. All true habits, good habits, start from the inside out. So this morning, the question for us is, what do we have inside? How, how are you identifying yourself this morning? Are you viewing yourself as a disciple? Because that happens from the inside out. You see, when you begin to view it that way, when you begin to view yourself as a disciple, then you'll start doing what disciples do. You'll start putting on the new man and have more of the mind of Christ. Now, you might say, well, well how can I have more of the mind of Christ? All right, pastor, are you, okay, I'll view myself as a disciple. If I'm a disciple, how do I get more of the mind of Christ? Well, notice this. Let me give you four quick passages. There's a lot more that you could build on this, but let me just give you four that are there in your notes. Look what the Bible says. In, in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So Jesus says, I'm the truth. Even in Ephesians 4 there, it says, who is the truth? Jesus, right? So in John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the truth. In John 17, 17, Jesus is praying. He says, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. So Jesus says, I'm the truth. And Jesus said, what's written in thy word, in God's word, is truth. Okay, notice what Romans 10, 17 says. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So, so Jesus is the truth. The word of God is the truth. And if my, my faith is going to grow, if I'm going to even have any kind of faith, it has to come from the truth, from the word of God. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Now notice what 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2 says. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. So, so notice the progression here. All, all I'm trying to point out here is that there should be a desire as a disciple to start eating up and drinking God's word. Why? Because God's word is the truth. Who's the author of truth? Jesus. Jesus said, I am the truth. Well, I want to think more like Jesus. Well, then get into his word. See, we read the Bible not to mark something off of our list of to do. It's not just another book to read in this year. We read the Bible so we can know the mind of Christ. Why do we want to know the mind of Christ so we can build godly habits? Because who we are affects how we think. And how we think affects what we do. And if as disciples we're not building good godly habits, then... We're probably not going to live what we are. That's, that's where the world can look and go, hypocrites, liars. 
That's why it's so important. Understanding this morning, number one, habits start from the inside out. Apostle Paul said, look, you've not learned that from Christ. This is what you were. This is what we were doing. We were alienated. Our understanding was dark and we were blind to the things of God. But now if you've learned Christ, you've been taught by him. If you know him, then put off the whole nature. Be renewed in your mind. Why? So that you can put on the new, the new man. And live in newness of life. So we see that when you get into the Word of God, reading the Word of God, building that habit in your life is so good. Why? Because it helps you to have the mind of Christ in your mind. To think the way He thinks. To view things the way He does. Uh, to, to have wisdom in life. You know what wisdom is? Wisdom can be defined as seeing life from God's perspective. You find a person that's wise, it's because they're seeing life from God's perspective. Now, Christians ought to walk in wisdom, and we've been giving wisdom. Ephesians chapter 1 teaches us that. But even the unbelieving world sometimes stumbles across wisdom. Read some of the ancient philosophers. They'll talk about human relationships, and they'll, they'll, they'll stumble across some, some great truths. Though they not believe the Bible, but God established those truths. And they can recognize them. And we say, they're wise. Why are they wise sayings from these philosophers? Because when you see what they're saying, they're coming from a perspective that's very different. Yes, from God's perspective. That's why philosophers can say, well, you know what? Maybe life's more than just about having lots of money and fame and toys. Maybe it's more than that. Yeah, they can, they can view that. They can, they, can, they can come to the conclusion, you know what, vanity of vanity, everything's vanity. Because at some point, God's perspective comes in a lot and they can see it clearly. It's important for us as disciples. Get in, building habits. How do we build habits? By getting the mind of Christ. How do I get the mind of Christ? Reading, reading God's word. Study it, meditate on it, think about it. Let me give you a second truth quickly. And that is that habits are small actions with big impact. There in verse 25, Paul continues, Wherefore, putting away lying, speaking every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon wrath, neither give place to the devil. Now notice these, these actions that happen. When our mind's not renewed, we live in lying and deceitfulness. But when you have a renewed mind, and you begin to build that habit of having the mind of Christ and walking with Christ daily, suddenly these small things that seem insignificant begin to have a big impact. We begin to stop lying. We begin to not give place to the devil. We begin using our hands for good and not for evil. And notice in uh, verse uh, 27 or 28, I'm sorry, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him 
that needeth. Notice verse 29, let, not, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. You notice how things are changing? He's been renewed. You have the new man. You're thinking differently. You have the mind of Christ, and now you're not speaking lies. You're not letting your anger be what's driving you, but you're patient and you're loving. You're no longer using your hands for things that are destructive, like stealing, but now you're, you're using them for good to help others. Now you're not talking about gossip and just talking about that which is important to the world, but rather now you're sharing that which is eternal truths from God's word with others. Just, just some small little things that start to make a big impact. I want you to notice that they all start with a personal choice. They all start with a personal choice. You, you have to choose to begin to build this habit in your life. You know, when, when you begin to form these habits in your life, reading God's word and walking with him daily, begin to use your mouth in a way that honors him because that's how you're thinking. When you begin to do that, no one's posting about it on social media. Channel 4 News or Channel 5 News is not coming to your house to give you an interview. That's not how it is. In fact, many times you start talking differently and you start thinking differently and it's almost like nobody even notices. It's something so minute, sometimes so what we would say insignificant that you could almost believe that it really doesn't matter. That it doesn't matter how I talk. It really doesn't matter where I go. I mean, come on. Nobody notices one way or the other. But see, what you've got to understand about habits, when you start building the right habits, it starts making a big impact in the lives of others. Now, bad habits can have a negative impact, but we're talking about a positive impact. That's what Paul is saying. These little, these little habits can start making a big difference. I love, uh, in John chapter 6, I put this in your notes because it's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. I preach it all the time with, when I'm preaching to elementary kids about the little boy that took a sack of lunch to hear Jesus. Something so in insignificant. Something that really most people didn't even notice. Almost everybody didn't even think about it because nobody had lunch. And then Andrew, one of Jesus' disciples, in his effort to look for food, finds this little boy with just a little insignificant lunch. Five loaves, two fishes. And with that, God, or Jesus, feeds 5,000. But something so insignificant, something that I'm sure he packed, or his mom packed his lunch every day. Didn't even think twice. But that habit led to something big. It impacted a lot of people. I say that to say this. Look at when you start building habits in your life, you know, you start reading your Bible every day, taking time to just pray, taking time to help others and talk and edify others, people are probably not going to congratulate you, probably not going to get a text and say, hey, man, I overheard you being an encouragement to someone. Great. I'm so happy. I'm happy for you. It'd be nice to get a text. You may get a text from somebody, but most likely you're not going to. 
See, th those habits are not really highly recognizable. They're not going to be highlighted, but they're important. Because when you start doing them, you start making a big impact. It's kind of like that, that little boy that was throwing those starfish. You've heard that story. By the ocean, throwing all these starfish. Somebody came, what are you doing? There's thousands of starfish. You're not going to make a difference. And he said, well, and he picked it up and he threw it. And he said, I made a difference to that one. Like no, nobody might, might text you, say anything about what you're doing now. But keep doing it. Keep building that habit. As a disciple, why? Because later it'll make a big impact. But it all starts with a personal choice. And then I want you to notice that the choice results in a public influence for God. Start small. And as I said, maybe nobody at the beginning will see it. But later people will. Later people in your church will notice. Later your family will see there's a difference. Later. That choice can result in a public influence for God. I put these two passages there in your notes because I think it highlights this truth. If you go to Acts chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, it says they all met together, were constantly united in prayer. These were, these were the, the followers of Jesus after he died. He said there was Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. And during this time, there was about 120 believers. That's it. They're still getting together. They get together to pray. They get together to encourage one another. They get together to edify one another. And it was, just, it was just a small little church of 120 people. But when you get to chapter 2, these 120 people get filled with the Holy Spirit. Because they've been building the right habits in their life. The Holy Spirit's power comes upon them. And Peter gets up and he starts preaching. And then some of the other apostles start preaching. And they start sharing what God had done. And look at verse 41 in chapter 2. It says, those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. Something so insignificant had a huge impact. I'm sure there were, there were times, that at least it was 40 days, or 50 days, I should say, between the time that Jesus died and what happened in Acts chapter 2, verse 41. I'm sure in those 50 days, there were some times where those disciples of 120 thought, do we really need to get together? I mean, Jesus is gone. I mean, is this really necessary? I mean, they might still be looking for us. It might be dangerous. Do, do we really have to do that? Man, I'm, I'm so thankful that they just built that habit. Because that small little action of just getting united in prayer, encouraging one another, led to 3,000 people's lives being changed. Paul says in verse 29 that the ministry of grace can be given to the hearers. Small habits have a big impact. Let me give you a last truth this morning and we'll be done. Habits must be practiced over and over and over. Now this might be the most important of all three truths. Probably the one that you already knew because you said, yeah. Pastor, a habit. You got to do it over and over to form a habit. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's common sense, but it's good to be reminded about common sense every once in a while. And, and just be able to see, okay, I, I need to build, I need to build these, these habits. Start from the inside out. 
Now I view myself, I am a disciple, and as a disciple, I have to live in my new nature, not my old nature, and, and now I'm using my mouth for different things and uh, to please God, and I'm, I'm using my hands to, to be an encouragement to, to other people, and, and, and I'm, I'm trying to, to love people. I'm trying to forgive people. I'm, I'm just trying to do what God wants me to do, and, and, and it might seem like nobody notices because habits start with really small actions, but you know, after a while, it starts making a big impact. And that's why it's important to keep doing it over and over and over and over again and not let that habit die. Every year, you can look at statistics. Every year, the, uh, the gyms have people that sign up that they're going to work out that year. And every year, about February, March, they all fall out. Right? That's just, that's just kind of normal. That's why a habit requires us to do over and over and over and over again. So we can build it. So it can be like that, that tree that can't really be shaken or uprooted so easily. Now I want you to notice that result of practice is a subconscious recognition of patterns. In verse 30 down to verse 32, Paul ends this, this passage with a few thoughts on what disciples walking right with God should be putting away. Put off bitterness, put off wrath, put off anger. Now, if you've ever dealt with any of these attitudes and actions in your life, you know it's not that easy. Right? Putting off anger isn't, you know, locking your wife in a closet and not talking to her. That's not putting off anger. You understand, it's, Paul's not saying this is going to be easy. And I'm not saying this morning, it's going to be easy. But if you practice and build the right habits in your life, then you will be able to overcome the wrong bad habits. You will be able to put away bitterness and wrath and anger. You see, as we deal with situations and circumstances over and over again by building good habits, then we see the effects early. We're able to start identifying then faster and easier, and we're, we're able to see what God can do. I, I read a story. There's a, a psychologist by the name of Gary Klein, and he, and he told a story of a, of a paramedic, uh, this, this, this lady that was a paramedic, and she, she went to go visit her in-laws. And, uh, and so she was visiting her father-in-law, and, and she said to her father-in-law, I said, uh, Dad, you, you don't look so, so good. And he's like, oh, come on, you, you know, I, I don't think you look that good either. You know, he made a joke out of it, and and she said, no, no, Dad, I'm serious. You just don't, you, there's something, you just don't look good. I don't know, I don't know, there's something, there's something off. I think you really need to go to the hospital. And of course, as most father-in-laws said, no, I don't, I don't really need to go. She said, please, you just, just go, just check it out, just, just for me, for my sake. Four hours later, he was in surgery, having emergency heart surgery. He had some clogged arteries. Now, the way they explained it, they said, was, being a paramedic, she specialized or helped a lot in the community where she was at of people that had heart issues. And what happens when you have heart issues is that the arteries begin to get blocked and it begins to stop sending as much blood to your face so you're not, you're not as, as, as bright as you usually are. Now, in the moment, she had no idea why she thought her father-in-law wasn't doing well. She just said, I just, you, don't, you just don't look good. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. You just don't. 
But what was happening, they say, was that in her subconscious, because she had dealt with so many patients that had heart issues, she'd already gotten used to what a healthy face would look like. She wasn't cognizant of it. She just kind of knew it there. Now, when you practice a good habit over and over and over in life, when you, when you begin to just get more and more of the mind of Christ, and that mind of Christ begins to direct you to do things more and more and more, it doesn't take much for you to realize, hey, you know what, this isn't right in my life. And now you don't have to wait for Sunday morning for pastor to mention this. You already know. And you go, man, I've done this so much, I, there's just something not right. I don't know what it is, but there's something not right in here. Just from that over and over and over again, it results in that. That's why it's so important this morning. Build good, godly habits. Let me just end with this. Bad habits must be replaced with godly habits. The going, doing this over and over and over again is so that you can replace the bad with the good. Verse 32 says, forgiving one another, being tenderhearted one towards another. The author in Hebrews, Hebrews 12, I put this in your notes. He said that bitterness is like a root. It's like a weed in your life. Now, how many of you have ever pulled out weeds in your house, in your yard? Is anybody, am I the only one? Good. Okay. How many only had to do that once and never again, weeds never came back? Weeds come back every year. You've you got to do it constantly. You've got to be vigilant and be seeing, oh, there's a weed growing. I've got, I got to pull it out. got to pull it out. you constantly got to be doing that. It's not just one. Bitterness is like a root. It's like a weed that keeps growing. And you know what? If you don't deal with it, it keeps getting more and more. And you might deal with it once, but it'll grow again if you're not careful. The, 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 devil, might, the devil might not have one on this occasion, but he's going to try to stump you up with bitterness on the next occasion. You, you might be able to forgive one fault right now, but, but the, devil, the devil is going to try to bring something else, another occasion of, of offense to see if you'll forgive again. Forgiveness is more than a one-time thing. Just like bitterness keeps coming up again and again, forgiving requires us to do that again and again for others. And that's why the bad habit of allowing bitterness and anger and hate and envy and jealousy to sit there must be replaced by what? Loving and being patient and having that new man live out. So this morning, we've, we've given you three truths about these habits. Number one, habits are formed from the inside out. Number two, habits are small actions with big impact. Number three, habits must be practiced over and over and over again. Now, as disciples, we must say this again. As disciples, we must form godly habits. It's a must. It's not like if you if you like this, great, apply it. If you don't, eh, ignore it. No, no, no. We all must form godly habits if we're gonna have a consistent walk with Christ. Beginning of the chapter, Paul said, you ought to walk worthy of the vocation where you are called. At the end of the passage, he's saying, this is how you do it. Forming good habits. So I just want to challenge us with some practical truths there at the end of your notes, and then we'll be dismissed. Number one, some spiritual health habits that we need to have for growth. Number one, read your Bible. Read your Bible. Every day, 
can add that. I didn't put it there. Read your Bible every day. Number two, memorize verses. You say, Pastor, I'm not really good at memorizing. Neither am I. I don't think anybody is. It, but it takes work. I started doing this a few years ago because the president at my college at the Bible college where I went to, he had 15,000, oh, he's still, he's still alive. He's got 15,000 at least scriptures of memory memorized, a scripture memorized, I should say. And in fact, he did one sermon that he does. He calls it the Bible sermon. And he goes for an hour straight without opening his Bible, just quoting scripture for an hour straight. It's crazy. Anyways, he taught us what he did, and he said, I'd buy these, these little uh, note cards there at, at, at Walmart, and he said, I just write them. And then on the back, I write the verse. On the back, I put the, what verse it is and what chapter. And he said, and I just go over it and over it. So every time I wake up, I go walking, and I'll have them with me. I'll go over it and over it, over it. And he says, once I got that one down pretty good, I'll write the next one. And I'll start doing that every day, over and over and he said, but the, the, the key to all of this isn't really the papers and the writing. The key is consistency. Do it over and over and over and over and over again. And it's, it's helped me. I think it'll help you. It'll help you in your growth to have more of the mind of Christ in your life. Uh, number three, pray. Number four, share with others. Share with others. Some areas to build habits in fellowship. That's in growth, in your, in your own personal walk and growth. But how about in fellowship? Well, in fellowship, make the decision and build the habit to make every Sunday service. Make every Sunday service. Do your best to do that. Now, I know you're going to get sick. I know you're going to go on vacation sometimes. I'm not saying that, that uh, those things are bad. You've got to do that. But I'm saying every service that you can make, make. Hey, when you're on vacation, find a church somewhere and just Go. Go. Build that habit in your life. Number two, come to connection groups. That's going to help you. It's going to help you to, to edify one another. Listen, it's hard to use your mouth to edify other people if we're not talking with other people. The connection groups allows us to do that. Why? Because we need to build the habit of living in the new man and not in the old man. Number three, develop friendships at church. Find friends here. We've got lots of people we can choose from. Good-looking ones, smart ones, dumb ones, ugly ones, all of them, all right? <laughs> Create some friendships here. Create friendships. Build the habit of developing friendships here at church. Let me give you the third area, and that's in service. The third area. Number one, I would say get involved in a ministry. Build the habit of getting involved in working in a ministry. Number two, come on, day, on work days and help in special events. Brother Chevy, he's usually in the, in the uh, Spanish service. He, he speaks English as well. He sits in this area. If you don't know him, I can introduce you to him. He's in charge of our special events. Talk with him. Say, hey, Brother Chevy, I'd love to help in a special event. I can't, I can't help every week. Maybe I, I'm at a job somewhere, but, you know, like on Thanksgiving when we're serving plates, I could do that. G- give, me a, give me a place to serve. Why? Because you want to build a habit that's godly and good, and that's going to that's gonna help you in life. And then number three, meet the needs around you. Just, just have, build the habit of saying, I, I, there, there's people that are in need around me. How can I help them? How can I help them? I'm telling you this morning, we all need to develop the right habits in our life as a disciple. Why? So we can walk consistently with God. 
I want to encourage us as a church. This year, our theme is disciple. As disciples, let's build good habits in our lives. Habits that will honor and glorify our God and keep us walking with Christ daily. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for the truth we find in it. Father, I pray that as we as we meditate upon what, uh, what we've read, what we've seen in your word, I pray that you would help us to apply it. Well, I've done my best to share that which I have seen and studied. Well, Father, I wish I could say that I've mastered this and conquered this. But Father, I, along with your people, need to continue to work on building the right kind of habits in my life. I pray that you would help us as a church to be a church with habits that honor you, and to live out in a way where we're living in the new man and not in the old nature, that we've put off those things that are bringing us down, and we've applied and put on the new man that is renewed day by day, that renews our minds and leads us to truly honor you and glorify you in all we do. I'll be with us today, I pray. Help us to apply this word into our lives. I ask this in Jesus' name.